Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. Welcome to the podcast at Orgy Castle. Sit back, darling, and enjoy with your hosts, Derek and Paula. Welcome, fellow deviants, here to another uh, podcast at Orgy Castle. And boy, uh, oh boy, oh boy, we have woo! something to bring you tonight. Do we ever? First foray into Jess Franco here on the podcast. And this was one, Paula, I had never even heard of before. No, me neither. And Franco is so spotty, you know? So it's it, very spotty. You don't know what you're going to get when you, you go into his catalog. never know what you're going to get when you when you get, get with Franco. And so I had no idea, but God damn. Of Fucking. all the things I've seen of Jess Franco in the past, and most of it is kind of that dreamy kind of horror sleaze, that, you know, Vampiros Lesbos. Uh, I love that like one. That. But never, ever, ever, ever. And I should have figured as much that there would be a movie like this in his catalog, seeing how he has like 250 movies that he's made or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Did I figure we were going to be watching an 80s neo-noir movie? Yeah, like I was thinking that was right around the time that neo-noir kind of became a thing. Like Body Heat came out and like Blood Simple and Body Double and kind of like all these neo-noirs around the, around the early 80s. And so, yeah, because it kind of had flashes of Body Double in it. Right. No, 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 I'm a Body Heat as far as, you know, killing the husband and all that kind of shit, getting the dupe and to kill the husband. But that's a pretty like noir trope. But it was great. Leo Romay fucking rocked this. Oh, my God. Like. My first foray into Lena Romay land was female vampire where she just walks around naked in the cape and the boots and like sucks guys off because she survives off of cum. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> in, so, in the triple X version. Yeah. Or what, what's the two versions? There's female vampire and there's, isn't it under another the, title or is it just the, the, a different the bare, cut? The bare chested Baroness, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Because one, she's an actual vampire, and then the other one, she's a cum vampire. That's the one that I've seen. I've seen the cum vampire one. It was like on Netflix last year or something. When I when the we cum start- vampire version yeah, was on like, Netflix. When when you know we were about to start the um the challenge, and I remember I hollered at you and was like, "Oh my god, they just dumped a bunch of Franco on." Netflix and I just kind of went on a Franco binge and that one was on there. That was wait, on are you sure you mean Amazon, right? Amazon. It must have been Amazon because yeah, I can't imagine yeah. the cum vampire movie no, okay. being on no, Netflix. I didn't, I didn't have Netflix. I had Amazon Prime. Okay? <laughs> okay, I, haven't, okay, okay. I haven't had Netflix in a while. Okay. Well, look, on- you just got me all hot and bothered. Like I got to go resubscribe to Netflix all of a sudden. No, Amazon has a lot of really good trash. They do. They like all the good shit that Netflix had, like bad, good, bad shit that Netflix had. And then they started making their own original programming more shifted over to Prime. Like I've been watching these Wu-Tang Shaw Brothers paranormal chop sake fucking <laughs> movies like crazy and they're amazing like the seventh curse and oh the Is bright the ones one. where the vampire the zombies have to bounce all there's, over the place there was some of those I saw a Godfrey Hill one but no like the bride with the white hair and the bride with the white oh, yeah. hair too like the paranormal yeah. witchy ones <gasps> those are so much fun so yeah Amazon's got some prime trash and I remember seeing female vampire on there because they have a lot of really dark dirty movies on Amazon well, so, that's good. That was Listeners of the podcast at Orgy Castle, <laughs> take note. Go get an Amazon Prime. We are not endorsed by Amazon Prime, although I wouldn't mind a free subscription to Prime. 
I wouldn't. Wouldn't wouldn't complain about it. I at hope all. the the lead head honcho there, the gazillionaire <laughs> at uh, Amazon Prime, is listening to the podcast. Yeah, Castle right Jeff, now. Jeff Bezos loves our podcast. Yes, 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 yes. So anyways, <laughs> continue. But yeah, so that was my first exposure to Lena Romay, and then I've got fascinated by hers and Jess Franco's story and how he met her when she was like eighteen, he was like forty two or something. But they just they like became kindred spirits, and it was just like they had this partnership where they're like. Okay, I'm the voyeur. You're the exhibitionist. Why don't we dream up scenarios where you can go fuck people and I'll film it? And she was like, fuck yeah. And that's what they did for like 40 years. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's just cool as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, no, they, uh, they definitely had an interesting partnership, but this one was good because her character was, it was really, it was meaty. It was a meaty role for her to get into and play. And she was bad of all the movies oh. i've seen of Franco's, and the movie obviously we're talking about tonight is black boots whip of leather made in 1983 um is probably the most plot driven franco movie i've ever seen mm-hmm. i agree absolutely agree it is so straightforward it is not the typical weird franco that i'm used to franco and jean Rolin, in a lot of ways always kind of intermingled in my in my brain mm-hmm. because yeah. I used to like a virgin among the living dead. Yeah. And stuff like that. That kind of Franco. Yeah. Which I, I always think is Roland. Same with Vampiros Lesbos. And then I have to remind myself that it's Franco because they're so artsy and floaty and <clears throat> have that kind of Roland feel. And then you see some of Franco's other work, like Exorcismos and some of those and some of the stuff he did in the early eighties that when they open on, they open on some big, like crazy S and M scene. And yeah. then it always pulls back and you see that there's an audience and they're in a club. And they did that in this one. They just didn't start it with that because that was kind of a, a trope that he did over and over in a lot of his films, having the, the, the S and M deal. And then, you know, his voyeurism was always present in all of his films, but this one, this one definitely veered from the, I don't want to say traditional Franco, but the typical Franco. Big time. Well, I would say that because it's far. It was far more a straight laced kind of movie with, I it not hardcore sex. We couldn't figure out whether or not this actually had penetrative sex in it because there was a scene where uh, Lena Romay is fucking our lead Al Pereira, aka the, the Tingler, <laughs> the Tingler. This guy, of course, we have another sentient mustache on display in <laughs> in this movie, and they're fucking. And there's a straight up up the asshole shot where you see balls and ass and everything. But I don't think they were fucking. I think this is an X-rated movie that's like a softcore movie. There's, there's no penetrative sex in this, but it gets pretty fucking close. Yeah, and Lena Romay is just really good at giving off the uh, impression that she's being fucked really fucking hard. So that or know. that or having a knife twisted in her guts. I mean, what how she sounds it's e- either or. She's either having the greatest sex or somebody's gutting her at the same well, time. She also has to fool everybody that she's with into thinking that they're having the greatest sex that she's ever had because that's her that's her purpose. So, you know, she's she's uh she's turning on the sound effects for sure. <laughs> so, the movie folks tonight is the story of Al Pereira who mm-hmm. is this private dick who has been hired by Lena Romay playing Candy. And she is, of course, this wife that is entangled in nefarious things and needs El Pereira to help her out to kill her husband so she can get all the money and she could live her happy life. Little does Al know, though, she's fucking every last person on Earth. 
and they're out to kill her, and Al gets in the middle. But that puss is so good that Al is willing <laughs> to kill everybody for it. Yep, kill everybody and run off to France with Lena with all the money. But yep. does he? <laughs> this is a, a typical noir where uh, there's twists, there's turns. Yeah, our our lead protagonist is in one bad situation after another bad situation. And if you've seen any 40s and 50s noir, you know exactly where this movie's going to go. So it doesn't really hold too many surprises. But seeing this from the lens of like somebody that's watching an 80s movie, mm-hmm. it was really off-putting to me because I was not at, well, one, it's a Jess Franco movie and I wasn't used to this, as I said before. And two, this was a weird mix of, you know, in the 80s, there had to be this strong synth score and all the sleaze that play in this movie. But then there would be typical like black and white style. It's not in black and white, but I mean, the way they use shafts of light and all mm-hmm. and the way they frame stuff was very much like the classic noir movies. Very much so. Very, very much so. It was a. Uh the colors actually were more like 1970s. It didn't even, mm-hmm. it would, it took, was filmed in the 1980s, but the sets were more 1970s with the golden and, and, and all that. And, but then it had the noir deal. So yeah, it was a really interesting um, amalgamation of, of styles and eras, but it worked. It, it really worked. I don't know. For me, it, it felt very, current almost to me because of the inclusion of the trans character and mm-hmm. the, and all of the incredible sexual fluidity in this. Oh, that was a main point of this movie is Candy. She was going back and forth between she was a sex worker essentially. She worked mm-hmm. in a SM and sex club, kind of like behind the green door almost. Yeah. Where there's an audience and there was somebody on display having a sex show. That's what she did for a living. And then she worked at this club with her husband who was a trans person. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't get, was he impotent or did he not have genitals or what was the issue there with Well, him? the issue was he couldn't satisfy her like a man. Which I took as being, he was impotent. Yeah, either impotent or has taken it or has had is post-op pre-op. I'm not really, not really sure. They didn't go into that. He was still sexually attracted to her because it showed them having sex of him going down on her. Um, and that he was jealous of her dalliances with other people, but he also had lovers. Of course. But it was just interesting to have a a very feminine man in a role as a sexual entity and not being made fun of or anything like that. But here's this person, and this happens to be part of of them, but all these other things are going on, and they have this rich life, and it's not just, look, here's a transvestite or a a, a, a transsexual person, let's laugh at them. They were all very... For as what for as what you could do with this movie, three dimensional characters—they weren't like cardboard cutout people. They had a lot going on, so so that was cool, and I liked that very much. So that felt like a very current 2019 thing to me. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that you would see something like that from 1983. Yeah, especially the scene in which <clears throat> um, Al is kind of—he's in the midst of a bunch of bullshit where he's killing off people left and right for candy. And she decides to hide him out in their house Mm -hmm. and they're about to get some fucking on. But the husband comes home Mm -hmm. and he has to hang out in the corner and the husband notices that Al's coat is in the room 
And he he had to have figured that, you know what, he must be here. And Lena, or Candy, I should say, is totally naked other than just a little toss-on robe, on robe mm-hmm. and proceeds to go down on her. So there's like a cuckold scene mm-hmm. yeah. with this trans character in power of everything. Yep. Yeah. It was really, it was very cool. There were just so many things like that in this movie that I really, really, really like. The absolute non-judgmental and very accepting nature of all of these different types of relationships and human beings and them all doing horrible things to each other or her doing horrible things to them. Most of those people are just really her victims for the most part. Not that they're great people, but Mm -hmm. she's, she's the one coming in and manipulating every single person in there to get what she wants. Yeah, she's that femme fatale of those, you know, 40s and 50s yeah. Mars, but ratcheted up through the 80s sleaze lens. Oh, yeah. Totally Big sleepy. time. So so we have, you know, as we said, we had uh, a trans person in here. We have lesbian sex in here. We have a scene of whipping. Obviously, mm-hmm. whip of leather is in the title. There was one of our characters. I think her name was Berga, correct? Bruta. Bruta, sorry. Bruta. And uh, Al gets cornered in a room where he thinks he's going to go meet a doctor that's involved in all of the chicanery. Yeah, and- she's on their list of one of the people to kill of his of her husband's friends because they're not just going to kill the husband, but they're going to kill his his group, too, which includes Bruta, the, the husband's boyfriend. And Dr. Rosenthal. The doctor, the lady doctor. And so he goes and shows up at the lady doctors and apparently she knows what's going on. And she goes, yeah, come into my office and we'll talk. Cause he says he wants to take pictures of her because she has some sort of a secret personality. She says, I don't know what you're talking about. And so he threatens her that he's, he says he's a reporter and that he's going to write something about her uh, involvement in drugs and prostitution. Right. Mm-hmm. So she goes, Oh, okay, let's go talk in my office. And she throws him in a room and there's the male lover and Bruta in the gold lame with the whip. Very long whip. Yes, yes. It's a. It was like a big ass long cat, cat of nine tails or something. And they tell him to strip, and then they hold a gun to his neck, and he has to strip at gunpoint. So I mean, yeah, there was some pretty fucking intense shit in here. And then the doctor lady comes back in. She's changed clothes and she's wearing the gold lamey thing. And for some reason, has her eyes rolled in the back of her head. And it was it, like a David Lynch, Lynch. scene. Yeah, it, this this whole movie had a lot of elements of lynch in it it really had a blue velvet wild at heart kind of thing going on it was it was a trip there was a lot of very very strange stuff and so since i'm a huge david lynch fan of course i'm like yeah keep doing this shit this is crazy (laughs) i just expected someone to come in and start saying fuck me reggie fuck me you know but this preceded all that stuff by at least three or four years yeah it, it did it definitely did and when she she has him whipping him. And I love the fact that they're like, take your clothes off, take your clothes off, all your clothes. And then they start whipping him and you see he still has his fucking socks on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I liked how when we were watching it, you point, you noticed that. Too busy yeah. watching the doctor who's masturbating with another whip handle with her eyes rolled back in the head like yeah. she had just done a whole thing of poppers. Well, I was watching that too because that was really, it was so bizarre, but that was fucking hot. <laughs> that was so hot. And she's just screaming harder, harder, harder because she wants to hear them beating him harder and harder and harder. And uh, masturbating with that that riding crop under those gold in my shorts. I was like, I should not be turned on by this. Yet here we are. <laughs> Yet yeah, here, here we are. And then he, he ends up killing Bruta and the dude, right? And then keep smacking the whip, making it and, and 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 going ah and smacking the whip and going on. So she with her eyes rolled in the back of her head, a la David Lynch style, doesn't notice what's going on. And then he comes in and shoots her as she's 
rubbing one out. <laughs> oh my gosh, just like point blank right in the face. Yeah, right in the face, just bam, just shoots her. There was some really interesting, I mean, like, yeah, the violence in this was just fucking cold-blooded and point blank. It was really frank. It didn't extend. There was nothing really to glorify about the violence. It was just, mm-hmm. it happened and it was done. Kind of like some of the sex in this movie. Now, Al and Candy... Their relationship, there was a lot of power dynamic between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Once it started, she was trying to hire him to get her bag out of some car. Yeah, out of the junkyard. Out of a junkyard. And he gets back after he's, you know, accosted by a couple guys at gunpoint. He shoots them down in cold blood, comes back to this place. And then she's like, well, I have about a half hour free because she could see that this guy's useful mm-hmm. and that maybe she could rope him into all this hijinks that she has planned and, out. And at, at that point, he still has that amazing mustache and the Magnum P.I. shirt. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's completely like the Italian or the. this is a Spanish movie, the Spanish Magnum P.I. at this point. Uh-huh. Um, and the sex between him and her, most of the movie is not romantic. No, not at all. It's very um, urgent. It's very, very urgent and going to happen now. And she's basically like, take me and dominate me. And he's like, I'm just going to fuck you. But like we said, you know, he had that mustache at the beginning. So the and mustache is the four. The mustache, I mean, he's sending out that mustache would just telegraph, you know, hormones to in the surrounding area, like by a square mile, like every set of genitals, all of a sudden everybody <laughs> would just get really horny because the tingler and then he cut off the tingler. And became this very, and he looked so different whenever he they, he went in the bathroom because now he's wanted for the murders of the two guys. And he's like, what the fuck have you gotten me into? And he's wanted for the murders of the two dudes at the junkyard. And um, uh, so he goes in the bathroom and oh, cuts off the tingler and cuts his hair and puts on a suit. And he looked like a completely different dude. He really and he was kind of a bitch after that point for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's like he was a man of power when he had that mustache. And after that point. Yeah. He could be used by anybody. Samson. Samson cut off his hair, man. Fucking Delilah. It's an old story. As old as the fucking hills, uh, This is a lesson to learn, <laughs> folks. Don't cut those mustaches don't off. Trim, don't trim the tangler, dude. You're going to need that. <laughs> but no, but that's what they were showing because that is such a typical noir trope is that you've got this big burly dude that, you know, they show him with his girlfriend who he doesn't really give a shit about. Poor Paula. Another poor Paula. Yeah. Who he doesn't really give a shit about. And she loves the hell out of him. And he's really nasty to her. Even when she, he comes in and she's fucking someone else who turns out to be the husband's boyfriend. He's just like, hey, okay, whatever. And then goes off and does his shit. He doesn't really care until the end when she dies. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. But no, that's the, the trope is the big rough. Like you got Fred McMurray and, um, double indemnity or you've got William Hurt and body heat. That's one of those tropes with the femme fatale is that the guy's the big tough dude. And this woman comes in and, you know, works her magic and all and of a throws sudden his world upside and down. Yeah. Throws yeah. his world upside down and he'll, he'll do anything for her. And that's, that's how he ends up, you know, completely fucked up and dead by a river. And, and fucking her standing up with a hook dick. Oh my God. He must be. I'm pregnant. It was the bark that was making her scream on the tree. <laughs> so folks, what we're talking about is uh, Candy and Al have these rendezvous out by this, this pond in the middle of nowhere on this walking trail. It's their little rendezvous where nobody can find them and she can howl at the moon or whatever. And they have proceed to have sex twice in this movie on this tree standing up and her legs aren't spread. So we figured he had to have a dick that was just like a weird banana shape that went upwards. But every time they showed him with his pants off, 
He had more like a peanut. <laughs> so I, I didn't quite know how that sex worked at all. There were so many pubes I couldn't see. I was like, okay, I know there's right, dog there in was, there. There was a peanut hanging out of those pubes. Well, the, you, dude, you could have like a four foot long dick and it would look like a peanut coming out of those pubes. That was a lot. <laughs> I mean, that was major, major, major bush going on there. He needed some manscaping. I mean, I'm no John Holmes, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm saying it's probably huge. That was just a massive bush. It was. Everyone had Matt. Yeah. There's tons of massive bush in this movie. Yeah, I like the massive bush. Lena Romay's bush. Lena Romay, na- Lena Romay just naked everywhere. I yeah. love her so fucking much. She is just such a fucking badass. I love that that is how she lived her life. And she's wonderful in this movie. She is. Like I said, this was a meaty, meaty role. I mean, the, she was cute when she was 18 and um, female vampire. And, you know, she really impressed. That was that was her first movie she did for Franco. And she, apparently uh, he's transfixed fire. And But this was a role where she could, I mean, she was like eight years older, I think, at this mm-hmm. point. And I mean, she really fucking rocked this. She was just nasty. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. just she was just shameless and cold and sexy as fuck. That crazy little blonde bowl cut wig that she had on. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, how the fuck did they glue that on when she's getting fucked? That thing had to be. I kept waiting for it to fly off. Yeah. Well, also her husband, the trans man, woman, or whatever, Mm -hmm. a genderless person. That's what I would say he was. Also had the same kind of bowl cut wig on. Oh, it was 1983. Everybody was all up in the Dorothy Hamill. It was just the time. I had that haircut. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Honey, I mean, yeah, probably. Proof of this. At my mother's house. Don't make me go there. I'm going to make you have to do homework and go grab Okay, send me that in, in a private message. I want to see that picture. <laughs> It'll cost you. <laughs> I don't know if I want to pay that price. <laughs> Pound of flesh. <laughs> so anyways, lots of wigs in this movie. Lots of vines. The, the Probably the most intense scene of the movie is there's a lesbian double cross later in the movie that Lena Romay stabs this woman to death, which... I wasn't I was expecting, you know, some foul play to happen because she's just screwing over everybody in this. Movie. Oh, yeah. Well, we find out that she'd been having an affair with Bruta, Bruta, the woman with the whip who'd whipped uh, Magnum P.I. P. guy. Um, and we find out that they'd had an affair. I love the scene. She goes to Bruta's door. Bruta doesn't want to let her in. Bruta starts to close the door and she sticks her foot in and she's got that great just just that great shot of the leg and that that gold sandal that wraps around that. I mean, there must've been fish foot, foot fetishes who just shot their wad at that point. Cause that really lingered on the foot. It was a beautiful mm-hmm. shot. And then Bruta let her, lets her in. And we find out that she and Bruta had been having an affair and that her husband had gotten jealous, but now they're all going to die. And she and Bruta are going to run off to France with all the money. And so she, and this is at the same time that um, Al is going off to go kill her husband and so she kind of tells her that, but makes her think that they're in on it together. They start fucking, they fuck like crazy. And she's in the middle of doing all this stuff to Bruta reaches back into her purse and just stabs the shit out of her while they're fucking hardcore is- brutal. There's blood all over <clears throat> the place. The bloodiest scene of the entire movie of, you know, a director that has a lot of really bloody movies. Mm-hmm. 
And that was like what an hour and 15 minutes almost into the movie. So this is yeah. way, this movie leans way more to the sex than it does. The typical Franco kind of like horror tropes that mm-hmm. you would use. Yeah. And, and definitely like we were talking about earlier plot, there's story in this. There's a lot of times in this where there's no sex going on and there's no violence going on, but the story's pulling you through and they did a really, really good job. I was really interested the entire time we were watching this and I loved how they did the sex scenes. They seem fitting in the film. I mean, yeah, they were having this, like so talking about the power dynamic between her and Al and how she just kind of let him fuck her the way that the way that she did. But it was all very fitting and in character and in tone for the movie. The movie's tone stayed consistent the whole time. Um, it kept bleeding and building and twisting and turning. And the, the climax, I felt, was, was satisfactory, especially because it was a climactic climax. Ah, but don't you, I'm going to put a ah. rim shot there. Um, I wonder if this movie has a triple X cut. I would like to see that. It would, it would not surprise me even remotely. Cause I mean, Franco has done some porn. Oh no. She, he and Lena Romay made shit tons of porn. Yeah. So this movie, some of the shots, this feels kind of like a cut down okay. a little bit. So I'm wondering, and maybe I'll have to do some research or maybe listeners, if you know of a triple X cut of black boots, whip of leather, I'd be interested to see what the difference is if there is an actual cut of that it's for I, si- it's for science so we can determine whether or not the sex was simulated so it's for science i want to say that knowing franco there probably it probably wasn't simulated probably not yeah probably <clears throat> not but this cut was the r-rated cut or i don't know i don't even see a cut we watched uh through a mutual friend uh, a VHS rip of this complete with tracking and VCR oh, you yeah. know, tracking scan it defi- line it problems. Defi- and- it definitely added to the ambiance and the very much of the feeling of the uh, we're back watching a movie late at night that we're not supposed to be watching while our parents are asleep. Shh. Yep, Stop we went her. to the back room of a of a video store and and brought this up to the counter and yeah. said, like, having having to run up and adjust the volume on the TV when Lena Rome gets too loud, which she oh. does <laughs> every time somebody touches her. Oh! <laughs> yep, she's a damn fine actress. That one. Oh yeah, she's uh, like what was that movie? Was it Porky's where they called the the girl the howler or Kim Cattrall? What was the movie which Kim Cattrall was the howler in it? I have no. I think that idea. was por- Porky's. I think my, that was Porky. My knowledge of eighty sex comedies is pretty limited. Now, yeah. now, just Franco. <laughs> <laughs> so paula let's get down to brass tacks what is what's the jackalman action oh, oh this is this is all the jackalmans this is the full five jackalmans this is every last fucking jackalman i enjoyed the hell out of this movie for entertainment value for me yeah i love noir i love it i love 80s neo-noir i will watch body heat and blood simple and all those movies just over and over again i thought this was an amazingly lurid sleazy take on all of that it had lena romay I mean, it was just, it was lurid and it was fun. The sex parts, the sex were actually sexy, which is rare in any of these movies that we watch. Mm-hmm, At least it was true. for me. There was some scenes in there that I was just like, okay, okay, this is <laughs> And I like that. That's fun. So it was, I mean, you know, the opposite of Emmanuel at Tableau Island. This was actually titillating and fun and lurid and dirty. And it had a fun story. And Lena Rome just chewed up the fucking screen and so did the dude who played al everybody mm-hmm. in the, everybody in this just really fucking killed it 
and threw it in there. It was a bit campy, but not too campy. So yeah, this for me was, and it had the David Lynch like surreality to it, but it still kept like a linear progression. It was, I, this is one of my favorite movies I think I've ever seen. I fucking loved this movie. Holy cow. That's one hell. No, for, for Lurid, Lurid Sleaze, this is top-notch Lurid Sleaze. You know, don't go into it expecting there to be, like, banging all the time. But, I mean, Lena Romay's naked a lot, or she's wearing things that, you know, basically hint at the fact that she's really not wearing very much. And it was <laughs> it was, it was was fun. And it was, like I said, it was really fun for me to see Lena Romay, whom I love so much for so many different reasons, get into a Kathleen Turner fucking role like this and a Linda Fiorentino in The Last Seduction role, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Double Indemnity, Barbara Stanwyck. <clears throat> is she that League of Actress? No, but she fucking rocked this movie. And she for really- B-grade, For B-grade yeah, films. She, she definitely- was, She was cold and hot at the same time. I mean, she really, she really pulled it off. The story was fun. It, it, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun. So every last fucking Jackalman you can scrounge up. Uh, oh wow this is unexpected uh, i didn't expect this kind of glowing praise one of the greatest movies you've ever seen it's got it's one of those weird movies it's got all the disparate elements someone took a mishmash of a ton of shit that i like and made something that i found extremely palatable entertaining and fun and that also you know tickled my tingler a little bit so you know not gonna complain oh well i also like this one i'm gonna give it four jackalmans i think uh, one Jackalman deduction for me, mostly because once you realize this is a noir, you kind of know what's going to happen in this mm-hmm. movie. So you are kind of just, you know, going through the motions, waiting for the inevitable to happen. But that's not to take away from the fact that for a Franco noir, which I'm going to call a Fran noir. There you go. <laughs> it's it's a damn good movie. Yeah, it's a really fucking good movie. I love the ending. I loved the ending. And she just leaves the fucking body there. Yeah. Fucks her so, up against their tree again. And, so, after- and then, okay. So, in okay. The only moment in this movie that smelled of Franco was that final, final shot, which should we spoil this? Yeah. Okay. So <coughs> they made at their rendezvous spot and you don't want to get this spoiled. It's a noir. You kind of know what's going to happen, but skip past about 30 seconds. So they're, they, meet at the rendezvous spot they've killed every last motherfucker in this movie they meet and she's like oh you need to fuck me now yeah right now she's got that white the white trench coat on she opens it up and he he sticks the hook dick in her and he's fucking her against the tree and of course she pulls out a gun and shoots him right in the fucking guts right in the fucking gut this is all one shot this is all one shot he falls to the ground or as he and he touches her breast. Oh my god, and his hand her on. body looked fucking amazing too. Phenomenal. Oh my god, that scene Phenomenal. where he's like climbing down her and his hands are like ranking down her belly, and all I was doing was just like watching her body and the way his hands made the impression on her body. I was like, God, she is fucking gorgeous. Oh, he's dead. Oh, and then it, <laughs> we follow we follow the camera follows and tracks down to him uh-huh. slumping on the ground she walks past and in the background is you know sunlight shining through tree branches and leaves but it doesn't end there you figure okay this is we're gonna see fiend nope it awkwardly then shifts over to the skyline and then down to some stick hanging out of the water and then we get a fiend yeah it's like what 
in particular about that <laughs> that stick did he feel was the best place to end this movie it's just franco <laughs> i just when it ended on that shot of <laughs> yeah. i don't know damn fine movie though so anyway, big recommendation here on the podcast oh, yeah. Castle for Black Boots, Whip of Leather. Oh, we're going we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna listen to uh Miss Angelique Bone. Hello. Bring us some more smut. smut. Bookie smut. So here's another episode of Book Club at Orgy Castle. <laughs> Welcome back to Book Club at Orgy Castle. It's your hostess, Angelique. Feeling a little devilish tonight. <laughs> Why? Because we're finishing up Satan was a lesbian. <gasps> I gotta be honest with you guys. This one was a bummer. Like it was really kind of fun the first half. Well, the second half, man. Tragic city. So... When we left off uh, last week, Charlie was starting to catch feelings for little Miss Cynthia, and she was processing through that and was about to, you know, decide, hey, maybe she can have love and, and all this jazz. Well, who ruins that? Karen and Billy. Ugh. So they kidnap the intrepid pair and go into the woods and they threaten to, you know, beat the daylights out of Charlie unless Cynthia decides to um, basically buy Cynthia, I mean, buy Charlie <laughs> uh, by having a little thing with Karen there right in front of her. So, you know, Cynthia's like, you know, heck yeah, I'll do whatever hot lesbian thing I have to to keep you from beating up my girlfriend. So... Uh, things start getting a little rambunctious and Charlie uses her hot lesbian wiles to distract Billy, grabs the lead pipe, cracks them both. Cynthia and Charlie get away and then the next day, Charlie whew, blows town. She ends up in L.A. in Hollywood and she's working at another drive-in restaurant and uh, one of the counter girls has a, a bad date with a male bartender. At this point, Charlie has actually had a few trysts with men. There's this weird little section where she's like, oh, yeah, I can, yeah, dudes aren't that bad, whatever. There's no, like, scene with them or anything. The scenes um, of any kind of sex are kept strictly uh, homosexual or lesbian. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to offend everybody today. Anyway, um, the girl, like, you know, is crying and she's hurt and scared and everything. Well, Charlie decides to take matters into her own hands, dresses like a beatnik with no bra and goes to the bar and, uh, you know, gets the bartender going, gets alone with him at the end of the night, stabs him in the neck with an ice pick and kills him. So now she's a murderess and she's wild and nothing is doing anything to kind of quell her inner fire. So she um, hooks up with another customer and the desire within her is so strong that all of a sudden she turns into a dominatrix and makes this poor unnamed girl uh, walk around on a leash and a chain and give her doggy kisses 
in her bathing suit area, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. So then she feels a little conflicted about that, and then who shows up at the drive-in but Cynthia! But Cynthia looks rough, she's thin, she obviously hasn't been sleeping, and just like the night they first met, they go park somewhere. Things start to get a little heated, but uh, Cynthia comes out with, she's killed Karen and Billy. So she too is a murderess. <gasps> what? And she recounts this whole story, how Karen and Billy um, said that they had Charlie because they, they approached Cynthia and she's like, I don't know where she is. I don't know where she is. And uh, they're like, well, yeah, duh, because we have her. Get her up to the cabin, engage in more hot lesbian feather tickle torture. I mean, really? I, talk to me, ticklers. I don't know how that works. I hate to be tickled, so the idea of that turning somebody on is just kind of like, eh, it's not my kink, I guess. I mean, I don't understand people who sit on balloons either, but, I mean, far be it from me to judge, okay? Anyway, uh, they keep her for a day or two, and Cynthia finally gets back home. Her parents were worried sick. By the way, she's a rich heiress who lives with her parents. Didn't find this out, you know, until now, but whatever. Um, so she goes back because they keep promising to bring Charlie back. They never do. They start having another, you know, tickle torture thing and they're making Cynthia tickle Karen. Then you hear Billy say, Hey, mister, what are you gandering at? And it's her dad. Cynthia's dad followed her to the cabin. Cynthia flips out, grabs a carving knife, stabs Billy through the neck Stabs Karen in the back. Her dad runs away. So Cynthia runs back home, grabs some clothes, and gets out of Dodge. Well, coincidentally, she goes to San Fran, and they happen to do a newspaper story on the drive-in that Billy's working for. And uh, Not Billy. Good Lord. See, there's so many names. So many names that Charlie is working for. <laughs> and uh, that's where they end up. And so Cynthia's given this confession, and, and Charlie confesses to her what she did to the bartender, because nobody knows, everybody thinks it's a mob hip. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, Cynthia starts flipping out because she can't go back to jail and this and that. And they're hearing sirens. Well, an ambulance has been dispatched to the street that they're parked on. Well, she makes Charlie take off, bat out of hell. And... Uh, not realizing it's an ambulance, they're freaking out. They're going 90 miles an hour through some residential section in L.A. And they hit a retaining wall and die. So they did like an accidental Thelma and Louise. Like I said, bummer town. Ugh. And I guess you're wondering too, where does Satan come in in all this? There was no mention of Satan. There was no wicked witchery. There was no wild women casting spells. It was just, you know, a messed up broad sewing her oats or whatever, you know, hot lesbian tickle town uh, for old Charlie. So, um, I recommend it. Read it. You know, it, it's actually a really good example of uh, lesbian erotica, especially around the 60s, because it wasn't too hip to be a lesbian or to be gay around that time. And note our, our author, Fred Healy, 
This is a pseudonym. The real author's name is Monica Robbins. And uh, she has written a couple of other books. One is called um, Black Heat, um, which looks a little, you know, scintillating. Hopefully it will be um, a little easier to read, a little easier to understand. This book is riddled with typos and sentences that seem to just kind of not fit where they are if that makes any sense but we're going to be diving into you know some some more uh lesbian erotica from this time because it's actually kind of fun um i look forward to it and i look forward to taking you along this journey with me so until next time bye So, Paula, yes. do you know and are you aware of the fact that next episode is our 25th episode? 25D. We've been doing this for 25 weeks. Well, actually longer than that Heads because we took a few weeks off here and there. Yeah. Um, folks, we're going to do something a little special. We're going to go episode. way back to where it all began. This is where podcast at Orgy Castle came from. A little movie, little English smut movie called The Terror at, at Orgy Castle, <laughs> or a.k.a. Terrible Orgy yeah, at Castle. Castle yeah. <laughs> this is a fucking fun one. Yeah. It's stupid as shit, and uh, we're going to revisit it because I think it's necessary for us to, you know, it's the namesake of our podcast, mm-hmm. the image on our podcast of, uh, you know, the goat head. With the crown, that's yeah. from Orgy and Terror at Orgy Castle. So next week, folks, prepare yourselves. 25th episode, we're going to be dealing with Terror at Orgy Castle. What do you think of, we've done 24 of these. We're going to be doing 25. What do you think of this, Paula? Uh, Did you expect us to go this long? I, I don't know. I'm really, 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 really excited about it. I love doing this fucking podcast with you. So I had no idea. You know me. I just kind of go with what happens. But yeah, I mean, I I'm, I love it. I love that we are gotten to 25 and that we our list is up to. I mean, we've got a list up into the 40s and we keep coming up with other shit we want to watch. So now this is fun. This is so much fun. I'm excited. What about you? Oh, I well, if you haven't noticed. And I'm speaking not all. I'm not only speaking to you, but to everyone. I kind of like podcasting. <laughs> I have a few of them, and this I, I like compartmentalizing these podcasts. And when I, as a listener of podcasts, I like listening to shows that have a very like laser focus. Like I know what I'm going to get. Having said that, my podcast Astro Radio Z is now just this eclectic mess of all sorts of stuff. <laughs> But that's but, its charm. Yeah. But but this show, I love the fact that this is what we do. This is all we're going to talk about. And smut, it's smut, great. Smut, 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 smut. And I've had multiple people tell me <clears throat> that they love that about this show. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, um, yeah, of course. I'm extremely happy about it. I Bye. love having this resource of even though you and I are by no means historians of any no. of this stuff. If <laughs> just, you want that bullshit, go to the Rialto report. Just lovers oh, of smut. <laughs> we just are people that like watching really trashy movies. So I'm glad anybody's out there kind of joining us and, and listening to this. And hopefully Same. 
will be doing this. I mean, barring any some like catastrophic event that happens, seeing how there's tornadoes all over the nation lately. Oh, yeah. Um, we have, I think, upwards of 45 episodes right now. Oh, uh, yeah. So we are under um, contract now. <laughs> some, some, you know, the, the wink contract to do all those, at least up until episode 50. Yeah. And then what is that? Are we finally going to do uh, Satanic Pandemonium, pandemonium at, yeah. at episode 50? <laughs> Yes, number 50, Satanical Pandemonium. That's been the plan all along. <laughs> okay, so, well, you guys will have to just stick around 50 more weeks. Mm, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Not 50 more weeks. I can't even add. 20, 26? Yeah. Oh, just send me back. You send know, me back th- to school. Th- that's a beautiful thing about, about being human, and I have a lot of qualms with humanity. I do. But there is an endless endless supply of smut because we are smutty motherfuckers whether we like it or not and that's what i love about watching smut is how much it just reveals about us as human beings and what the what is oppressive or what is what is being subverted because a lot of the stuff that we watch is very subversive but at a lot of the same time it's also very reflective like a lot of Mm -hmm. the, the rapey shit and the misogyny and things that we see and so it's just, I mean, people are like, yeah, it's dirty. It's, it's like, yeah, but for me, I was half Vulcan. It's also a fascinating sociological study. And then occasionally you get your tingler, tingler, tingle too. So, you know, <laughs> with Lena Romay. Oh, she can tingle my tingler anytime. Satan is the name she goes by. There's a lot of devil. Can't tell.